Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Hey guys, sports betting season is in full force. NHL and NBA playoffs, we enjoyed those, and now football season is here. You need a sports book with integrity and longevity like BetUS. You may already know this, but BetUS has been pioneers in the sports book industry for almost three decades, thriving and paying their loyal customer base. That is BetUS.com, and they have loads of bonuses. Join now or call 800-69-BETUS. That is 800-MY-BETUS. US, you can receive a 125% sign-up bonus by using the bonus code SST125. That's SST125. They have re-up and referral bonuses also. BetUS is known as America's favorite sports book for a lot of reasons. No matter what the season, BetUS has all the games, NBA, NHL, team, player props, loads of NFL and college plays, whether futures or individual game odds. You can bet UFC matches and props, PGA golf, golf and round matchups and live betting on most sports including golf. The online casino has hundreds of games and the race book has all your horse tracks. They have every bet type imaginable and the Sharp Bet US mobile platform is easy with full betting options. Follow my lead and partner with a sports betting company with integrity and longevity like I did. Bet US. You bet, you win, you get paid. Bet US. In the South, it's always college football season, and the king of college football reigns supreme all year long. Southern Sports Today proudly presents the Chuck Oliver Show. It's an inside look at everything college football. Now live from Atlanta, Georgia, it's time to talk college football with the reigning king of college football, Chuck Oliver, on Southern Sports Today. Dan Mullen understands the guaranteed way to make certain you are the conversation. Seems that's where his grasp of the media ends. It is the Chuck Oliver Show on a Tuesday, and if we DeLorean back about four days, if we go back to Friday before the weekend, I had said on Friday, close my eyes, and I'd mentioned this score, and it wasn't necessarily a prediction. It was just sort of the feel that I had for the game. And I said, this looks, a, this looks a whole lot 38 to 14 to me. And it was stretched out. And then Dan Mullen decided he didn't want to get shut out. So they took 10 minutes, of, or excuse me, 10 plays, five of the remaining seven minutes to get one touchdown. And they got it. So good for them. They scored. And then George is like, yeah, enough of that. We're going to score back. So they did. So it was stretched out. And that was the final. And uh, what, 34 to seven, right? Yeah. 
So there's your final score. I had said 38 to 14. I was off a little bit, but that's not the point. That Georgia was going to win by about 20. That's kind of what I was thinking. And isn't that supposed to be the story? That Georgia and Florida played, and one of them won by 20. Didn't matter who. But UF or Georgia, they won by 20? That, wow, that's the story. Let's talk about it. I said, that ain't going to be the story. Because so many of us are anticipating not just a Georgia win, but a beatdown that we have already started. Do you know why a divorce can take so long and get dragged out? Because one member of the union has already moved on a little bit before they have the first conversation. So he or she may be four, five, six, seven, eight, nine months, 12 months, five years emotionally down the road ahead of you. All right, so not everybody gets there at the same time. So, so, so that's why we don't all have the same emotions coming at the same time. Um, we did all have the same emotions about this game. We all kind of look like nobody. I, I don't think anybody got stunned on Saturday afternoon. What do you mean we lost? I didn't speak to anybody who thought it would be a different outcome. All right, by how much? So this wasn't like we all had already arrived at that. And so when you see something happening and everyone sees it kind of unfolding in a certain way, even if you're a bull gator and you write the biggest check and you sit on the 50 and you're like, Coach Spurrier, don't have time right now. I'm watching the game. If that's you, you would already adjust it a little bit in your mind. And even if you didn't like it and you're the biggest gator fan there is, you would adjust it. You would, you would accept it a little bit begrudgingly in the back of your gray matter that this was going to be the outcome. And then it happened. And I was like, folks, that's not going to be the story. The story is going to be Dan Mullen's reaction. Said Friday, I was expecting the story to quickly go from UF lost to did you see what Dan Mullen did? Yesterday, Dan Mullen threw a hissy fit. And then UF announced no media availability anyone with football other than the sec mandated teleconference tomorrow morning now there was a side story here a quote he gave about no we'll talk about recruiting he didn't say we're not recruiting right now he said we're not going to talk about it right now now that's a mistake in and of itself but it's different he's been oh they don't even recruit during the season that's not what he said and that's no longer the point see the most successful college football head coaches in the south Most successful college football head coaches in the South know there is a very easy way to have the media work for you. There is a very easy way to have the media work for you. Virtually every person covering the team on a daily basis, not national, daily basis, local media. Establish the tone of extra access or limited access and you are golden. Imagine covering college football in Starkville or Baton Rouge or Gainesville, and suddenly you're on the outs. It will influence the coverage and everyone on both sides, media and coach and athletic department. Everybody has a bubbling under knowledge and acknowledgement of exactly what's happening. Sometimes it gets blatant. I was asked by me personally, I was asked by a media relations person at a bowl game, hey, if nobody asked this question, the media folk, most of them, especially in the 
If you cover SMU in Dallas, mm, not quite the same. But if you're covering in Starkville or Bat or Auburn or Oxford or wherever, folks, it, for the media's own selfish purposes, and they want to work for you. I would tell any coach they want to deliver your message. And you know what? For the most part, everyone involved wins. Fans get better and more timely information. The coach every so often gets his side of things out without having to say it. And the media person is like, yeah, I got access. I'm good. Virtually everybody wins. Yeah, that's not happening in Gainesville now, like ever, as long as Dan Mullen is the head coach. He first doused the bridge, then lit a match, watched it burned, and paved over the ashes. Holy smokes. I knew what was going to happen. I didn't know this. He was asked a very simple question about recruiting. His answer, irrelevant. It's the response, the reaction. I, I, I knew this was what it was going to be. I didn't know it would be this bad. He has found a way to turn virtually all of the media in a place like Gainesville, Florida, where what do they love? Well, college football and college basketball and college sports and their Gators. And uh, like the media wants to deliver all the Gator information they can. And now this. So, Dan, um, th- there are better ways. And as long as you're in Gainesville, I-, I would suggest you invest in finding out some of those. Now, over what I've said over the last four or five minutes about Dan Mullen, Ooh, he's skewering. Do you know the, the biggest kick in the pants here? I'm a huge Dan Mullen fan. You hear me say this all the time. I am a huge, huge Mullen fan. So if he's lost me, imagine what some more of the on a daily basis around Dan Mullen and really looking for the angle sort of reporters, like the daily beat report. Imagine their feelings right now. Again, I'm on his side most times. And I looked at yesterday and I was like, I knew it was going to happen. I didn't know it was going to be this bad. Now back to the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. He shows up every single week. I think in his preparation to all the behind-the-scenes stuff that nobody sees, uh, he's he's improving on that as well. It's just it's it's maturity, it's playing the game, it's it's being in this offense now and kind of figuring out how it really is going to look at times, and that just that just takes time. Chuck Oliver Show continuing on a Tuesday. That's Brian Harson. He is the Auburn head coach. And I said yesterday, I have not talked enough about Auburn this season, uh, despite them now having kind of put some links in that chain. And you're looking at them and you go, wait a minute, they're having a pretty good year. In fact, they're, they're, they're having a pretty good year, and it's better than I know I was expecting. A little bit better. That I thought LSU had the potential um, just to be a sack of squirrels. Uh, that that team could fly off the rails, and that's that's kind of what they turned into. So I was not necessarily uh, out there's not nothing in Baton Rouge, but because um, Auburn hadn't won out there in a minute. But 
that was a game I looked at and thought, mm, don't know, but it could fall Auburn's way. I'd mentioned three specifically. I'd said this year for Auburn, and that was Coach Harson talking about Bo Nix, and I'll get to him in a second, that don't lose to Arkansas because Arkansas is not good yet, and you don't want to lose to a team that's not good. I said their season would be about beating Arkansas and not losing to the Mississippi schools because Mississippi schools are better than Arkansas, and and that's actually a good win. Hey, what, what, how'd you do this season? I beat Ole Miss. That's something. Did y'all watch the Ole Miss-Auburn game? It was a fan. My gosh, Matt Corral, not 100%. He throws ropes. I mean, frozen ropes all around the dang field. He threw it because in the NFL, the hash mark's about four inches apart. In college, the hash marks, it means something, which side of the field. And I saw him throw from near hash all the way over towards the Ole Miss sidelines a couple of times. I mean, just rockets. And uh, have one down on there near the Auburn goal line coming the other way. Just uh, such a good ball player. And Auburn beat him. And the Rebels, they made some plays and, and, and just whatever. They, they, Connor and Pearson and 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 corral and i just it was a, it was a fine offensive 20 points they made some play 20 points so so that was a really good win now what's your reward for that congratulations go play texas a&m out there oh, okay i went back and watched uh because i'll pick three or four games to watch live during the day saturday and what I'd, I'll usually watch like the first, most of the first half of one, like a noon game. And then I'll start watching a noon game on the DBR and catch up to it by the CBS game. CBS, night game, and then it's either Pac-12 after dark, Mountain West after midnight. It'll be one of those. So that's four games live. And then you go back and watch the ones that surprised you a little bit um, or that you were, what, distract, whatever. You had two games on. I watched Auburn Ole Miss again last night. And there was one play in particular that sort of crystallized. And I went back and watched it, and I would have sworn it was 56. It's to Sean Manning. It's supposed to be Keandre Jones, 50. But I swear I went back and I was like, huh? I think it was to Sean Manning. But it was one of the guards. And the kid was 10 yards downfield, still getting after somebody. And... I mean, you're talking about a kid that may be tipping the scales about 345, 350. And on the line of scrimmage, do you know what you do when you play guard and it's a run play? And most often, sometimes you go get a linebacker. That's bad. Um, You block down. You block legs. You get after somebody. You don't play dirty. You don't post anybody. You don't engage someone who's already, you know, being blocked. But, yeah, block legs. Get after somebody. Get grimy and dirty and sweaty and gross. Ten yards downfield? You're big guy in basketball, banging around with a bunch of other bodies and shoulders and arms and elbows around the basket and all that. That kind of fits in. Imagine your 6'8", 255 guy out on you know perimeter shooting. Okay, that's why you look at LeBron that way. Ten yards downfield? That is somewhat there – some, there's like a Bama fan listening right now. So you have a different perspective. The Auburn offensive line in particular, I said going into Gus, I was like, mm, if he gets fired, it's because of this group. And it was because of recruiting, misses. Uh, it was actually, let me go back, it was because of misses and evaluation. Like, they looked at Calvin Ashley and said, yeah, he's a five-star. we got to get him. A lot of other folks wanted Calvin Ashley as well. 
Auburn made him a priority, and that one time they got the five-star offensive lineman. Um, so there was misses in evaluation. It was a misses. It was misses then in recruitment. It was misses in coaching, in scheme, in prep, in weight training, in every every facet of it. These same guys, Brodarius Ham, Jones, Nick Brom. My gosh, Nick Brom's Austin Troxel. How many injuries? Austin Troxel, Brandon Council, and he's a transfer. Um, just Alec Jackson, who was a defensive tackle. These guys are better. Same guys, better. And I understand fully the principle at work. When and I've because I've talked about it all the time. When you're dealing with college 18, 19, 20, 21, 22 year, when you're dealing with anybody in the college age window, you're making physical just leaps and bounds. Versus, you know, the four years that you're an NFL veteran between ages 28 and 32, you better ho- – if your body changes, it's a bad thing. That means you get a little, get a little uh, happy with life. If you're 18 to 22 and your body changes, you know what it might be? Mostly 18 to 19 or 19 to 20. I mean, the earlier you do it, you get into a college weight program, you're putting on, depending on the position you play and what they want you to do, you put on 25, 30, 35, 40 pounds of really good weight like muscle. You can do that. That's not what's happened here. These are essentially the same kids. And now, are they great? No. Are they good? Yeah. Are they really good? I'm close. I'm close. And it's me saying it. I talked this group. Gus, you're going to get fired because of the offensive line. We had Jason Caldwell on here. Uh, maybe I think it was maybe the 19 season or eight or whatever. I was like, hey, let's talk uh, strength training at Auburn. What's going on there? Because I had exhausted every other avenue to try to figure out why the offensive line wasn't even functional. Like Montez Sweat, he looked around. And he was like, appreciate y'all getting me paid. I got drafted in part because of y'all. That was the bunch. The game at Clemson, when was that? The 17 season? Was that the beginning of the 17 season? The Auburn offensive line had one great month, November of 2017. They also had the game at Clemson where they gave up either six or eight sacks. Had a game in Athens, same sort of thing. Last year, where the, you looked, and there were so many of those where it was a Saturday afternoon, you looked, you said, we're not going to compete today because of this. And I, so many, they're like, those kids are way gone. But the kids as recently as last year against Georgia? Why didn't you recruit better? Maybe that wasn't it. Why, don't, why aren't these kids more talented? Maybe they were. Do they work hard enough? Maybe they have. Are they big enough and strong enough, Jason? I asked Jason Caldwell, let's talk strength and conditioning. He was like, no, I think they do a good job there. I was like, all right, well, I'm just a straw. Grasp. I was trying to find something. And I was like, well, they're just not good. They are now. I don't know if Will Friend shows up and just laid hands on the kids. Do you know who Benny Hinn is? Benny Hinn, Evander Holyfield, back when he hurt his shoulder and had to retire, local preacher man named Benny Hinn laid hands on, that's a southern phrase if you're listening on the, laid hands on the shoulder, 
it was healed. I think, didn't he cure Evander's heart? He had like a heart murmur or something. He fixed his heart. Um, I don't know if Benny Hinn visited the Plains, but these are the same kids doing actually a lot less. A lot less of a scheme, a lot less. And they're far better, as is Bo, as is Tank with his game the other day. So it all goes back to the offensive line, and kudos to every single one of those kids. the king of college football no matter where you go with a new southern sports today app catch the best college football conversation in the south everywhere with the sst live stream and daily podcast downloaded now at the app store and the google play store now more of the best college football talk in the country it's the chuck oliver show if LSU having an 11 a.m. home kickoff versus Florida. Wasn't going to end Coach Orgeron's career. This certainly would have. Alabama LSU isn't a national broadcast on CBS for the first time since 2006. It was a Bama problem that season. Uh, This time it's on LSU, trust me. Uh, Essentially, a broadcast partner of the Southeastern Conference just told Coach O, yeah, you're Mike Shula. All right, because that's what it took for us to most recently not put this in the national shining light on it window uh, is when Mike Shula was leading one of these programs. Mm, Yeah, now it's you. So LSU continues to move along in their coaching search, whatever that involves. Want to welcome on right now a guy who knows all about coaching searches and everything else when it comes to maximizing whatever your resources are, whether you're a player whether you're an agent, whether you're a coach, AD, board of regents, whatever, whatever your resources are, you want to maximize them, and this guy can help you. He is college football matrix. It is Dave Bartu. Dave, how are you today? Hey, Brother Chuck, I am doing very well tonight. As you probably know, first playoff committee ranking of the season. And, well, one of the games that uh, my colleague and I played seven years ago was taking the Hancock rules of ranking and trying to determine what the rankings were going to be before they happen. And we have been more accurate than anybody in the last seven years because the committee has been um, unbiased and consistent within the rules every single year. All right, well, let's uh, um, pick your brain then. Um, Georgia, I would imagine, will be everyone's number one. The big question start number with, one. all right, what do you do with Cincinnati? Or what do we do with number two? But to me, I interpret that with, all right, what do we do with Cincinnati? Uh, you have the floor. Right, well, and here's one of the things, okay, that, 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 is, that is, I think, part of the committee, okay? When you have 13 people that are this powerful, make this much money, have this little time. Remember, you're ranking, what, 30 teams in three hours, four hours. That's like two hours or two minutes per committee member. So when you're asking the question, what do we do with this team, it's really not a question that comes up with the committee. They may say that's what they do, but it's a false narrative, Okay, because it all fits into a ranking framework. Now, Cincinnati tonight, I believe, okay, by the numbers is going to be number three. This is going to be their highest ranking that they have. It is going, everybody's going to go, woo, 
Cincinnati's got a shot. Yeah, you got a shot if a ton of other teams lose because Cincinnati's strength of schedule going into tonight is going to be 111th. Not my strength of schedule, not ESPN's, not anybody else's. The one Chairman Hancock said rules the roost for the committee. So Cincinnati's at 111. Right now they're living off of that win over Notre Dame. And so they need Notre Dame to keep winning. They need the rest of their teams in their conference, like SMU, to stay in the top 25. But other than that, I think that's where they're going to be, right behind Alabama. And then they're slowly going to fade down the line as 12 and 1, you know, Ohio State and Michigan State shoot for 12 and 1, 13 and 0, as Oregon shoots for 12 and 1, as Oklahoma shoots for 13 and 0. These teams are just going to pass them by. This playoff is not for G5s. To get in there, everybody else has to absolutely fall apart. Don't kid yourself. So who do you have at two and four from the committee tonight? Not you personally. Who do you believe the committee will have? Oh, yeah, it's never me personally. It really it is, it isn't. Alabama is at number two, and a lot of people are like, but they have a loss. Yes, but their strength of schedule is 39th. They have a top 25 win. They have two quality wins, and their game control is number two in the country. Now, when you hear the word game control, folks, okay, it's a – Fancy term that means margin of victory, but we can't say margin of victory. Nope. I know. So, so let's call it something else. Okay, let's call it game control. Cool. Okay, so game control is just fancy word for margin of victory. Same thing as uh, style points. Please don't ever use that word, the, the, that term, Chuck. Please, because style points, all that is, is good old fashioned running up the scoreboard. Oh, yeah, I talked about the – can I say, go back to – after the Notre Dame game, we talked Cincinnati, Mm -hmm. and then on that Friday, I think they were playing Temple maybe their next game, and I was like, folks, it's about pretty points at this because the opponent will not wow anyone. So Cincinnati's going to attempt to have the score wow some people. And and I said it's pretty points. It's it's blow teams out and try to get some pretty points. Right, which all goes back to one thing, margin of victory. Yes, absolutely. And for some reason they can't use it, but statistically – one of the, if not the strongest methodologies for singularly using a metric to determine who is the better team is margin of victory, period. That and talent. So uh, right now, Georgia, now, now the game control is a little fancier because it's margin of victory by, uh, by quarter. Okay, so how well are you controlling the game by a score, by two scores, by three scores, by four scores? So Georgia leads that. Alabama is a very strong second. Um, but Alabama has that one loss. If they, if they play Georgia in the title game, boom, they're out. They're done. They're, they're, they, can't, they're, they can't be in the top four. So uh, they're going to be number two tonight. Uh, number four, maybe a bit of a surprise, Michigan State. Undefeated Michigan State. Uh, they've earned it. They don't have a loss. Their quality wins fit in there. Their strength of schedule is not as good um, as uh, Alabama, not as good as Georgia, obviously. What hurts them is their game control. Cincinnati's game control is much better uh, than Michigan State's. Even though Michigan State has a higher strength of schedule, and keep in mind, strength of schedule is the last thing the committee considers. The strength of schedule is a sorting tool if all else is equal. It's not, it's not as important as quality wins, top 25 wins, or game control. So that's why we're going to see, I believe, Michigan State in the fourth spot tonight. 
it sounds like a lot of your uh, no, excuse me not yours it sounds like uh, at least half mm-hmm. the committee's top four tonight um it's almost in fact half of them two of them uh, it's built for them to not be in the four in five more weeks like cincinnati they'll be in the four tonight this is this setup is not built for G five. Secondly, Michigan State because they what they have ahead on their schedule. If they're four tonight from the committee, I look at that and go, "Good for you, Sparty." I know that won't last. That's now that's right, that's just luck. that's just betting on the. See, that's two different things though. Cincinnati is I'm talking about the structure. Michigan State, mm-hmm. I'm talking about an on-field opponent, but half this group, this 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 one through four tonight, uh, I think it's predictable that they can't be there on December fifth. Oh sure, sure. And if Michigan State is, if they are thirteen and zero, tip of the hat, unbelievable, right? Because they've gone through Penn State, they've gone through Ohio State, they've gone through the Big Ten West champ. I mean, it's going to be an unbelievable run. Uh, to, to be able to get there, uh, but all the other teams behind them, their schedules are back-weighted. Okay, Cincinnati's all front-weighted, right? I mean, they, they had Notre Dame. Well, this, their whole schedule is yes. Notre Dame, right? Because Cincinnati plays eight teams that recruit outside the top 80. Eight. They play one top 50 recruiter. One. Poor Dan Mullins played three top five recruiters already this year. Yeah, <laughs> he ain't handled it well. One top 50. Go ahead. It's the college football, right? It's a roller coaster. It's supposed to be emotional. See, that's the fun part. Is it goes up, it goes down, it goes up, it goes down. And I, I know everybody wants it to be up all the time, but you and I both know that's 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 fairy farts. It's unicorns. It doesn't happen that uh, way. You know what I talked about right? to start the show yesterday was, you know, anybody heard from Tom Herman lately? Because Texas is 4-4, four and four, all right? And... <laughs> And we are so caught up in the moment of, well, it's a bad October. We need to fire the coach, pay him a buyout, and get a brand new staff. I'm like, it was a disappointing three-week stretch. Are you sure you need to change everything about the athletic department? And that's where we are in a lot of these coaching searches. Oh, and and, and this year it's this year it's tough, right? Because you got so many big openings. There's going to be so much churn. You do not want to be that that middle tier team looking for a coach. There ain't going to be nothing there, right? Good, I good. mean, it's just it's it's going to get chewed up. Uh, you know, I mentioned it was a guy that I had brought up actually about two weeks ago. And for anybody who doesn't know, I don't know if you and I talked about this, but like Tom Herman, he's working for the Bears. He like watches game mm-hmm. film for Matt Nagy. Um, is he in the mix? Is he wanting to get back in? Does he want another year of just taking Texas's money Does, for spite? Um, what do you think is the landscape for Tom Herman from from both his perspective and potential schools that may hire him? I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's been a few years since since we, we texted back and forth on stuff. So I'm not sure there, to be honest with you. But you look at Texas, when they fired him, this is really a good example of, of what you're talking about. They fired him maybe for emotional reasons, uh, maybe for the record. But this was a team that when they fired him, finished the regular season top 20 in offensive scoring efficiency and top 40 in defensive scoring efficiency. You broke up a team that took, what, four or five years to get to that point. And it was a borderline top 10 team if the the ball bounced the other way twice during the season. You know, so, you know, there was there were really good things built there. Emotionally, maybe it wasn't great. And people might say, well, his culture isn't that good right now. I would question the whole Texas, you know, Longhorns culture behind the scenes. At some point, it's not the coaches, man. 
I mean, they keep cycling through these yep. guys, and they're yep. never happy. Yep. At what point is University of Texas going to be man enough to stand in front of the mirror and say, we need a clean house, and it ain't the coaches? You a baseball fan at all? Yeah, all of it. Um, all of it. I've always talked about um, uh, oh, Giants manager was up with the Phillies. Who am I talking about? Kepler. Mm. Gabe Kepler. And okay. when he was with the Phillies, I was like, his way doesn't work. He's terrible. He's awful. It's, it's just a clown show. He leaves the Phillies organization, wins, a, what, 106 or 107 with the Giants. Meanwhile, the Phillies bring in Joe Girardi with multiple World Series titles, and it's a clown show, and it's dysfunction. And I'm like, maybe it's not the guy on the sidelines. Maybe sometimes it is upstairs. It is the culture right. of a place like the Phillies, which is the island of misfit toys. Or it's the Giants who, honestly, they do a whole lot well for a professional franchise. <laughs> you know, at, at some point, the common denominator is obvious to everybody. That isn't the common denominator. Washington Redskins, Detroit Lions. Look at all. Look at everything. You know, in sports, and they cycle through coaches all the time. We all, we can all think of a half a dozen, Cleveland you know, Browns. college and professional. Right. Oh, it's just just constantly in their own way, and they don't realize it. Except the fans and everybody looking at it knows what the problem is. Okay, and it's not like you don't have enough to do, but, you know, I think you may enjoy this, and I know I would enjoy somebody with your bend, your computer ability to do it. You ought to drill down and, and find out how to quantify all the resources that the new Cleveland Browns have invested in trying to find their quarterback before they got Baker, if he's even the quarterback. How many first-round picks, how many trades, how many second? Deshaun Kaiser in the second round, are you out of your mind? Johnny Manziel with a first-round pick, are you – Brandon Whedon? Like – there are people employed to make these decisions, and it literally for 20 years, it's like, what could we screw up? Oh, yeah, quarterback, that's pretty important. Let's screw that up every year. <laughs> because it's funny because I have one NFL franchise that pays me just ten grand a year to simply give them my thoughts on quarterbacks. That's it. That's it. You know, I've, I've figured out a way to evaluate these guys in college, and I'm just on call for them and them alone. So it's, it's, it's there. You know, you got to take risks on quarterbacks, though. But, you know, uh, Deshaun Kaiser tells me they weren't taking a calculated risk at all because mm. that guy has well, – that guy was – that guy carried a backpack full of red flags into the draft, draft room. Walter Payton has more touchdown passes than Johnny Manziel. So that tells you all you need to know. I saw that. All right, we are going to take a break. We will come back more to my man Dave Bartu after this. More college football talk with the king of college football. It's the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. Continuing with Dave Bartu, he is CFB Matrix. You can get him on Twitter at CFB Matrix. Dave, tell everybody a more formal description of what you do and how to get in touch, please. Dude, I tell stories with numbers, and ultimately those stories are designed to do one of two things, create efficiencies for our clients or give an edge to our clients, whether it's on the football field, whether it's recruiting, whether it's hiring or firing coaches, whether it's finding whatever, that's what our job is. Tell me more about the committee because you kind of, you, you started at the bottom. You're like strength of schedule. It is the last criteria. Mm -hmm. They will sort if it makes any difference at the very end, they will use, okay, well, what do they yeah. use at the top? 
at the very at the very top. It, and this is so this is the layman's way of doing it. Okay, without going into the secret sauce or anything like that. Um, we already talked about margin of victory, right? Yes. Talked about margin of victory. Okay. Now that's not game control, but it's a it, it's a low level derivation of it. Okay. Uh, you got to look for bad losses. Bad loss is any team you lose to that finishes sub 500. Okay, so tonight Oregon has a bad loss. They lost a sub 500. Uh, Stanford, Penn State has a bad loss. Fresno has a bad loss. Those are the only teams in the top 25. Maybe Pittsburgh, and if Pitt- Pittsburgh's in the top 25, it is there only to support number seven Wake Forest. So you have that now. The one, so one of the easiest ways to do all of this is it's just point totals. Okay, so you take your quality wins. Now, a quality win is any team that is above 500. All right, not four and four. Okay, so teams that are five and four right now, teams that are six and two, they got to finish seven and five or better in the FBS. That counts as a quality win. Ding, one. Okay, top 25 win. That counts as another point. So a top 25 win is beating a team that was in the previous week's top 25. Okay, so like right now, Cincinnati has, for example, has credit for beating Notre Dame. All right? So let's say Notre Dame goes on a four-game losing streak, and in the last week of the season, they're not in the top 25. Guess who doesn't have a top 25 win anymore? Cincinnati. Okay, so these things are very fluid. When, when you see people talking about teams, you, you, you have to understand, you have to look at not just the team, but their entire schedule and where that schedule is going. That's why Cincinnati being front-loaded with Notre Dame is going to fall down, down in the back half because their only top 25 potential team there is SMU. You know, with Ohio State, you got you still got Michigan State. Penn State's going to be in the top twenty-five. You still got Michigan, and so there's plenty it, of opportunity. And it's it doesn't it's not when you played them. It's when the committee is voting. Okay, well they beat Notre Dame. Well they were ranked. Well they're not ranked now. That is that how it exactly. works? Exactly. Okay. It's exactly that's exactly it. Since people say, well, Cincinnati beat a top twenty-five Indiana. Indiana ain't so, top twenty-five. So Virginia Tech does not have a ranked win over a top twenty-five win over North Carolina anymore. No, that doesn't exist in the committee's eyes. Okay. Okay. Right. Top 25 wins are hard because, as well, there's only 24 yeah. of them because your team's one of them, right? <laughs> so they, they are hard to come by. This is why the champ, this is, people want to know how our ranking system was right on t- TCU and Baylor. Okay. And the point system is really the easiest thing because when you win a title game, you get it, you're, you're playing a team that is most likely top 25, right? So oh, yeah, yeah. you are, yeah. So you're getting a quality win, ding, one point. You are getting a top 25 win, ding, two points. And you're getting a conference title win. Because remember, Big 12 said it was a tie. So there was no champion either. That is, a, when you win your title game, it is basically three points in this system. That's why everybody if, passed. If Bob Bowlesby would have, would have hired you on Saturday afternoon before his conference championship game, the Big 12, like just for advice, Dave, tell me how to uh, act during the post-game announcement. Don't say you have two champions. Actually, um, from day one, when the Big 12 announced they weren't going to have a championship game, I sent a letter directly to Bob Bowlesby every single year outlining why that was a 
bad idea and it hurts his teams every single year because I really believed it would catch up to them at one point and it what it it was immediate right I mean it was, it was absolutely immediate yeah, yeah. And, and I sent him one every year after that too describing your nine conference games are killing your 12 team your your you know your 10 teams oh absolutely true I used to and that's, see I'm smart enough to have figured that out because I would watch Greg Sankey just sit back and laugh at everybody go, yeah you play your nine games you talk about conference and schedule integrity I'm gonna talk about uh-huh. having two teams in the playoffs Bing, bing, bingo, you know. And you know Greg will be just going to be laughing all the way to the bank if they expand this thing to 8 or 12 because yep. he's going to get he's going to get 3 or 4 in there. All right. Why? Because now he has 16 teams and 8 conference games. That's oh yeah, and, the, and when you have Klyavkov, you know, squawking about, "Well, maybe we won't expand this after all." I'm like, "Dude, you've had one qualifier the last 6 playoffs. You, you, the 14 <laughs> playoff is not working for you." Um, <laughs> no, it's not. Now I will give you one thing for tonight. Okay, one. This is what everybody listening. This is one thing to watch out for. I am glued to the set for this one event, and that is number eight. Okay. Now I will tell you the last forty nine ranking weeks, the committee has not been biased. They have followed the rules. They rarely waver. And tonight, if Oklahoma is not number eight below Wake Forest. This is absolutely 100% off script, the most Homer-biased brand committee we've had ever in this thing. Any given week, Oklahoma needs to be at eight because they haven't earned squat, okay? They have no quality wins. They have no top 25 wins. Their SOS is 119. They have two two quality wins. 119, no top 25 wins. Their game controls, they are below wake in everything except the brand on their helmet. Oklahoma has to be at number eight. If they're at number eight, then this is a honest, straight up follow the rules committee. If they're not, I am crying BS all over the country. That's what I'm looking for tonight. Dave Bartu, brother, tell everybody how to get in touch with you. And I mean, everybody. Text line, baby, 971-217-8419. And if you're on Twitter, um, I'm actually going to try to do a live stream spaces um, during the rankings and walk everybody through what we're doing. Fantastic, Dave. We'll do it again in seven days, brother. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, Dave Bartu. He is College Football Matrix, and, yeah, he lives for things like tonight when it's just uh, ones and zeros and, you know, figuring out that math equation. Uh, that's what it is tonight. And looking for OU behind Wake Forest or the committee just isn't doing its job. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.